Enter now the age of apocalypse, Shuga, with your hosts, Day Spring and Scott Free. Xavier is dead. Apocalypse reigns. This is the age of apocalypse. Welcome to Power of X-Men Apocalypse, the podcast where we review every single issue of the classic reality-warping, high-octane, epic X-Men crossover event known as Age of Apocalypse. I am Tony Stark when he's off the wagon because the demon is deeply inside. Dayspring! And I am the least inbred inhuman, Mr. Scott Free. (laughs) I feel both of our intros today are wildly inappropriate. I, you know, honestly, compared to some of the shit that we've said in the past, this is those were those were fairly like low key, and you know, I'm I'm here for it, and you know, it it fits because this week we are we're talking about postscript to Legion Quest Cable number twenty. Everybody loves Cable. If you want to talk about screwed up characters, Scott and Madeline Pryor's child from the present who was sent into the future to save the past from the future from the past. You can't really get more nineties than cable. Oh, I agree with the shoulder pads and like the nebulous like powers and like, he's an old man, but he's really a child. And like, he has a clone, like I'm all here for it. I really am. Yeah. And he's, he's got the, the techno organic virus, which is, totally not a commentary on HIV and that they really just sort of very uncomfortably deal with at times. Oh, when Gene is like, oh my God, Cable's in so much pain with the TO virus. It's like that never comes across in the actual script. You are telling us God Queen Jean Grey, you're not showing us this. It, it, I, you know what, like, I, I take it back compared to some, like, they, they could have gone a lot worse with some of the stuff with like the way that they handle the T.O. virus. So good for that. But yes, Gene is the master in this issue of telling, not showing. (laughs) Although like, as we'll get into it and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but like that one scene where she goes up to Cable and is like, we were slim and red and we raised you. That's a memory that during, I think it's Messiah Complex where Cyclops will replay this scene over and over in his head. And Emma will be like, even for a psychic, I think this is crazy, but it's really cute. I think that's a really cute familial moment that they have. And and when Gina's like, remember, we love you. And by the way, we're going to leave now. So you can like kiss Domino, even though like there's a crystal wave coming to decimate the entire universe. But yeah, we're going to, just you know leave you to get sexy with domino um while we go talk about wolverine and how much we miss him uh <laughs> oh my god i know oh my god it's so funny because i thought of you when i saw that i was like my god they've been hinting at the thruple for such a long time and did we say this with the ex-wife or someone else i'm totally forgetting who we said this with oh no we did it when uh imperius rex was on the podcast where it's like when legion you know, does what he does to his mom. It's yeah. like the thruple is the most normal thing the X-Men have ever done. Oh, yeah. Like, I, mean, I don't know why so many people have like a bee in their bonnet about the thruple because it's like not contentious at all. No, like, uh, it, honestly, like the sexual ethics of the Krakoa era are a lot simpler than some of like the weird stuff 
in this like era, like the Legion time travel stuff, uh, Shatterstar long shot, whether, you know, the grandfather paradox. I mean, the thruple and like Cypher getting pegged by Bay are not like the, <laughs> the, that, that controversial. Okay. But can I tell you, I really am not a stan of the Cypher and Bay romance, like by um, any means. No, I, I, I don't, I don't feel it. Um, and it's just like, it's very forced and, um, yeah, you know, like it, I, I mean, you, you probably get this as well, but like a lot of X fans, particularly like LGBT X fans, a lot of us have read Doug Ramsey for years as kind of gay. Um, and now suddenly it's just like, oh, he's got a big giant angry wife and it was just felt very forced well here's the thing when ten of swords was coming out and they showed that card i thought it was like someone else that he was going to be hooking up with i'm totally fine whatever the character identifies with and i'm also okay i love the reversal of the gender roles where he's more submissive and bay's more dominant i just editorially it's the execution of it where it just felt very forced like he had a thing for betsy and then betsy dies literally in front of him and then he's getting married in the next scene and he's like oh my god bay her eyes blah 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 i'm like what kind of bullshit is that like i don't know i i just would feel like really apprehensive to get married to someone even if i found them attractive i'm not just like oh there we go like i'm getting married to this like hot piece of ass like my friend just died i'm in a battle to the death where like my safety net which is like resurrections is not applicable which of course that's bullshit but like i would just feel very uneasy in that situation and i felt like it was more I don't know. I, I don't even know how I would describe it. I want to say more style over substance, but there was not even any style on it. Although like the Phil Noto art for that issue in particular that I'm thinking of, like was really nice. I do like Phil Noto a lot, but I just, oh, yeah. like, it didn't, and it conveyed that emotion by the way, like when they looked at each other, but I don't know. I don't buy their romance. And I think Inferno, like I appreciate Doug's big dick energy in Inferno, like towards the end, but when it was kicking off, like he was waking up, getting out of bed, grabbing his mug, and Bay was in the bed, like staring, you know? And that to me yeah. kind of indicates from a narrative perspective, if we're going to talk about narratology, that that Bay is somewhat unhappy or there's some kind of deceitfulness about to happen and it didn't come into fruition. I don't know. I'm babbling. Doug was not rocking her world. Um, <laughs> and, Which uh, rightfully so. I think Bay needs someone who's really going to rock their world. And I just don't see Doug Ramsey, even if he's a thirsty bottom, like really rocking her world. Uh, and, and, you know, and this is no shame, but like that is a man who cries after sex. <laughs> and, <laughs> And, and and like you know she's she's this like stone-faced like warrior woman and like doug's sitting there in bed with the golden girls on crying and it's just like you know poor poor delicate doug has anyone ever cried to you after sex <laughs> uh, oh i i forgot we're not on video anymore people can't see the face i'm making uh no no <laughs> i've had people get really emotional and tell me they love me after sex i'm like 
oh my god like i thought we were on the same page like i thought this was just wild one night sex and like i don't want to marry you anyways but that's totally doug doug is totally like that very emotionally needy person who's just not on the same page and you're like oh i thought we were anyways well and then you get the the added like level of like uh warlock always just kind of like being there and like you know. well, so that was like my biggest grievance. And I know we're like seriously, you know, going off our script here. Not that we have a script, but our general like two second outline. Here's the thing that I was most excited about with Doug in the Krakoan age was his relationship with Warlock and that impending phalanx situation that we've seen in Hawksbox. Yeah. So I don't know why we have to divert with Bay when Doug already has a third person in his relationship with 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 warlock which is Prokoa. and yeah. i thought that was a lot more interesting than making up this new character and forcing a marriage with doug which editorially speaking does not seem to service anything in general i completely agree and listeners we have now fully circled back to the conversation about throuples um, <laughs> i love how consistent like i love that you're bringing it back <laughs> We exchange roles. Sometimes you're the one who brings it back. Sometimes I'm the one who brings it back. But Sometimes now, we yeah. both show up to the episode recording drunk, which listeners, if you haven't figured it out already, I have definitely had a couple martinis tonight. I always show up with sober professionalism. <laughs> and this, this is a shocking revelation to me. <laughs> this is true. How are you, gorgeous? I haven't seen you. Well, I mean, technically I saw you like yesterday, but for sake of this episode recording, you weren't in the Ian Churchill (laughs) recording. So how are Um, you? Yeah, you know, I'm doing well. I'm I'm, I'm vibing, as the kids say. Um, It was a beautiful 72, 3 degrees today. And uh, in two days, it's going to be 35 and sleep because it is fake spring. That sucks for you, even though we live in like technically the same state, but I'm going to Florida tomorrow where it is 70 degrees. I went for a jog this morning and I was so happy because it was like 66 degrees and it was just lovely. I just had martinis outside with Jeff on on the patio. Well, technically it was Del Fresco's, but I get so embarrassed to say that I went to a chain restaurant, but it's literally, if you've ever been to my neighborhood, there's a Del Fresco's right here. And then my apartment is like right across the street. And it's so convenient just to take the elevator down and cross the street and get like happy hour there. I I don't think anybody's going to judge you for getting happy hour at a nice, uh, you know, chain steakhouse. steakhouse, Is it a steakhouse? I didn't even know that. You and Amanda did a collab. What's up with that? Yes, Aurora and North Star. Demanda, of course, was Aurora. I was I was North Star. I would um, love to see you in a long wig, long black wig. I, you know, I, I leave that to the professionals like Demanda. I I can't do it. Yeah, check it out. Miss Demanda Martini gets that Demanda money. I remember when we had Susanna on and she said, I don't have that Demanda money. I literally, like Scott, this was before you joined the podcast. I think I wet myself when she said that. It was fucking hysterical. 
That sounds about right. So. <laughs> well, especially because Demanda is such a, like a type A, like I have my spreadsheet, I work out my budget, everything kind of like personality. Oh, yeah. There's two types of cosplayers. There's the ones who've got like, they've got the budget. They've got you know, the Excel spreadsheets. They can tell you what they're going to wear to each con. And then there's the ones who are getting changed in the back of like a Honda because they brought like six costumes with them. There's like, Oh, okay. Let me just like pull this on. And yes, I am in that category. Uh, that is my Honda. So Stop it. do you drive a Honda? I would love to. Yeah. See I, I'm like, I'm fuel fuel is fuel efficient. I, I'm like, I got my little like weak ass horn. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I can it's, just it's picture like, you driving in the morning and honking with like this little weak ass horn. Yeah. Ha, a nice Honda CRV, fuel efficient SUV. It's it's like when SpongeBob's driving the boat and <laughs> just like hitting people. It's great. Do you have road rage? No, I'm I'm like I'm, I'm like whatever the opposite of road rage is. You're just I'm very like, pleasant. You you use your blinkers and you let people like come in front of you. No, I'm not a bitch, but like, <laughs> <laughs> could have fooled me. Wow. <laughs> I am a horrible driver. You don't want to be in the car with me. People have literally told me, like, please don't ever drive again. I cut people off. If people cut me off, I follow them. I tailgate them. I use the horn. Very loosey-goosey. I don't know why I just said (laughs) loosey-goosey. But I'm horrible. You don't ever want to be in a a car with me, sadly. Florida, man. I got it. I learn how to drive in Florida. That, that that's just how it is. Like yeah. I remember the first time I made a U-turn, the person next to me, as I'm making the U-turn, I wasn't even gonna hit them, just looks at me and gives me the fucking finger. Like for no reason whatsoever. And when I was like 16, I was driving and like maybe I almost cut someone off. Like I don't remember. But like they got so angry. It was like this 40-year-old guy, and he like followed me home and like wanted to fight me. So yeah, I have that crazy Florida rage in me when it comes to driving. Um, okay, well, I, if we ever have to drive somewhere for like an appearance, I will be doing the driving. That is good I, to know. I would love to be in the car with you and drive me somewhere for an appearance. People mm-hmm. who are organizing cons were available. Yes, I will drive the speed limit and we will get there exactly on time. All right. Well, Scott's going to be the driver. I'll be the passenger. (laughs) The other thing I just want to note is that I dropped an article in the New York Post with our friend of the podcast, Mr. Kyle Thomas. It's all about which back character aligns with your astrological sign. So please check it out. It did go viral, I'm being told. And I got a couple of really nice DMs about it. So... Please, it's in the bio of Power Announcement. Check it out. And then I think the other thing to note is that Peace Do, who previously was like, oh, hey, I'm actually not in Doctor Strange. Someone is like mimicking my voice, which is something that's always happened to me since I first came on stage and like, I don't know how long Peace Do has been around. But he's here, like, ever since I've been an actor, people have tried to emulate my voice, has actually confirmed that he is in Doctor Strange 2. He wasn't going to do the uh, Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire, oh, I'm not in it, I'm not in it kind of thing. He was just like, oh, yeah, that's me. You guys figured it out from, like, my shoulder, and like, the back of my shoulder and my head. And it's like, no, we figured it out from your voice. Like, you've got a very distinctive 
voice. So he's he's going to be in it. Don't know which version of Xavier he's playing. Uh, assuming he is playing Professor Xavier. Who told us maybe it was a Doctor Strange variant? I forgot who said that. But whoever said that, that's that's interesting. I hope that's not the case. I think if he's animated Xavier, that sounds great to me. Or if he's just like the Fox X-Men Xavier or just whatever other like version of Xavier exists in the multiverse. I, I'm happy he's there. I think we discussed this already. He mentioned that like he had met with Kevin Feige and that they were talking about coming into like the MCU. And he was like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm not going to do it, blah, blah, blah. Because Logan was my last official appearance, which by the way, Logan was like a good send off for him. Yeah. But I'm glad he kind of dropped the the theatrics of line and saying that he wasn't in it and just owning it. But I do, I do want to give props to Andrew Garfield for seriously committing to that. Like Andrew Garfield lied to like fucking GQ and like all the other outlets he was on. He's here. Like, I'm not in Spider-Man. You're going to be very disappointed. And like, I think he did like a Buzzfeed something and he was here like, no, I'm not in there. Oh, the, 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 the Buzzfeed one was like, Oh, Toby, Tom, and Andrew, my bussy is really wet right now, which I was like obsessed with that clip. Like I posted that clip so much everywhere. And he was here like, no, I'm sorry. You're going to be disappointed if I'm not on there because I'm not in the movie. So, I mean, literally when they're talking about wet bussies and like Andrew is like, I'm like not in this movie. Like that's commitment to a role. <laughs> <I'm sorry>. um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, just just like like flooded it was just like flooded um i wish we were recording for video right now because you are like literally speechless i mean andrew garfield can always wet my bussy (laughs) (laughs) and with that folks cable number 20 by jeff loeb and ian churchill entitled an hour of last things which i guess it's not technically part of legion quest but in all honesty it should be part of legion quest well they they slapped the legion quest logo on the cover yeah yeah even though like isn't it kind of is and that fucking like ugly machine that the shiar gave like the blueprint for to beast to create is like literally in here. So I don't understand why it's not officially part of Legion quest. Like why did they want to do, I'm just curious from an editorial standpoint, why they thought Legion quest needed to be four issues and not five. When this clearly is a byproduct of Legion quest. It's intimately connected. I honestly forget that Jeff Loeb, um, worked on a lot of x stuff in the 90s like not not all not a lot but like he's not a writer that i um generally like associate with the x-men but he he did write a bunch of issues of cable and like x-man and um i think he wrote the uh, ascani sun uh miniseries and a couple of other things yeah, I mean, he created our boy, Nate Gray, yeah. and I appreciate that. I interviewed Jeff Loeb when I was at Wizard, and I think it was for that Superboy Robin issue that was like a celebration of his son, his son Sam, who had passed away. 
since then, Jeff Loeb it has been problematic. I, I wish he would have handled Marvel TV a lot better than he actually did. Because like, although I do like the Defenders, I mean, really love the Defenders, as you can tell right there. Yeah. I have the frame Mondo vinyl, but like Inhumans was a disgrace. And whatever he did with like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Peggy Carter, like I was just like, that's just it was garbage TV. Yeah, he he got in some trouble with Daredevil and casting and he made some really inappropriate comments about casting choices and not wanting to use certain actors because they were from certain backgrounds and disgusting. yeah well and daddy feige just never got along with them from a business standpoint so like i'm okay that <laughs> yeah I, he 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 was he was rightly uh pushed pushed out after that he he obviously you know he, he wrote some classic and iconic batman stories as well um but yeah there's there's really no no excuse I always feel like so torn with that kind of stuff. And I wish there was a clearer answer on how you do that stuff. But that's a long-winded way of saying when I say this, it's not because I'm endorsing Jeff Lowe, but I actually really do like this issue. And we have Ian Churchill on the podcast and Ian is like completely like the biggest love ever and like super chill. You were missed on that because he was talking about Captain Britain and how he wants to pitch a new Captain Britain series to Marvel. And he's here like, have you ever read any of the original Captain like Britain like stuff? I was like, no, but my co-host has. Um, <laughs> That's where you should have come in yeah. and like save the day. Um, now, like, like Power of X-Men does not endorse um, drug use, but were you to take an edible and read something, um, hypothetically, Alan Moore's Captain Britain would be very high on the list. Because that is a trip. Yes, uh, I'm down for it. If you want to get high, I mean, again, allegedly high. <laughs> We're not endorsing any any drug use here on Power of X-Men. But if you want to get high and read Alan Moore's Captain Britain, I am here for it. Yeah. Definitely suggest it. Uh, but no, I, I'm, I'm bummed I, I missed that. Um, I really love uh, Ian Churchill's art. It's very iconic. Very, I very heavily associate him with this like particular era. I was trying to like get a lot of information out of him because he's been in the X office during Age of Apocalypse and the Morrison reboot. And that yeah. is like, wow. Like talk about like witnessing history unfold right there i mean two very different vibes and he talks a lot about it and he talks about this one situation where he was sitting down in the x office or just like the marvel office with joe casada and joe casey was there frank quietly and grant morrison and frank quietly just like whips out his notebook and has all the redesigns for new x-men in there before it was even announced to the public and I'm just like, fuck, man, do you have like, did he see Emma with that like short mohawk before it was like revised that she had to have like the longer hair? I just and like what other crazy shit did he have? Like, were they talking about like killing, you know, our, our, the rogue we know and bringing in more of like a, a goth rogue? I Ian was just so articulate and forthcoming and just such a nice guy. And this isn't in the interview, but when. But when we like stopped recording, he was here like, thank you so much for having me. I thought 
I thought my interview days were over. And I'm like, dude, like everyone fucking loves your art. Like you're like yeah. legendary, like WTF there. Your, your interview days are never over because we will find you. <laughs> Let that be a warning to all yeah. X artists right now. We will find you. We will find you. But this issue in particular, I mean, I don't know. Like when I was thinking of like the recap here and like how we would summarize it, there's not much to say, you know, because we kind of covered it on the previous, our our previous coverage of X-Men 41, but this sort of takes place in between Uncanny X-Men 321 and X-Men 41, except there are a lot of like character beats in here that we just didn't see, but we don't see the time displaced X-Men. No, there's no time displaced. This is occurring, I guess, simultaneously to the time displaced X-Men is it, it sort of opens with Cable coming back um, and uh, with the the other ridiculous Shi'ar um, like stacked machine thing where Xavier's on the top and then Jean's in the middle and then Cable's on the bottom. <laughs> it's Cable bottom. <laughs> I listen. I, I maintain that my color ID looked more high tech than this piece of shit. Like I don't understand why the X Men built this. We will never ever. I don't even think they really even address Cable's latent time travel abilities in the script. I could be wrong. It could be there in the narrative. In fact, I'm pretty confident it is in the narrative because I think it's in the last. It's the it's in the issue where Cable shows up and they're like oh well like don't you have like latent time travel and he's like oh no my time travel arm's like busted <laughs> and it's like oh that's very convenient listen okay I, I we're gonna pick apart the issue but before we go into the issue i just want to say i really liked it i enjoyed it i think there were a lot of really great like character beats here i love domino's beret she just looks like so cute you know, in it, and I love that consistency because she does have that in what is it? it it's either Uncanny X Men three two one or forty one, but she looks absolutely adorable here. I'm not a huge fan of all the cable stuff from this era. I actually really enjoyed this issue. Um, it's very, it hits a lot of right beats. The art is great. It's less cable and more the other like. X characters. I think it's a nice coda to Legion Quest. When they come back, when Cable comes back and like he's there in like the middle of all like the Shi'ar tech that he's, you know, found himself in. I kind of like the emotional like beat when like Domino is like, hello, stranger, and like grabs him. And, you know, Gene, this is where Gene is like, uh, you can't imagine how much in pain Cable is for you know for the techno organic virus and even like xavier and hank have like kind of like a cute moment there and i think that's kind of what was lacking in legion quest and i think by the way that's my general criticism in general with like the Krakoan age i like these like character beats where you see the characters being human and they have moments together but they are you know they do it does come into fruition that the the past X-Men have lost their memories, which was something I think I complained about. I was like, no one knows that they actually lost their memories. Like they're, they're just assuming, but here it's sort of like flushed out and, you know, it's, 
it's dealt with like head on and, and the X-Men know that they are doomed. Yeah. It, it's, there's a, a strong sense of like fatalism throughout the whole um, issue because they do know kind of that they're screwed at this point. Yeah. Well, Cable's like, Oh, I wish we could have done, I could have done more and Cyclops, you know, think or no it's not cyclops it's actually gene (laughs) it's like the optimism here she's like the mission was a success and cable's like uh i don't actually think it was a success but thank you um but they do lay in this very panel or excuse me this page where gene is like it's a success um xavier lays the groundwork for bishop being able to survive time displaced anomaly but he is literally cut off by gambit who is like fucking hot mess who's here like let me get this straight we pin all of our hopes on cable delivering this message and that's it well he's back and the blasted world is gonna still come to an end yeah i mean it's it's like like what what the fuck remy i mean what are you gonna do throw some playing cards at the the crystals like <laughs> like i would up. love that if gambit was just like no monami and like throwing all of that yeah 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 um, it's just not gonna happen uh but he tells cable i'll say what i got to when i got to cable <laughs> yeah who, who who dat and it's like okay i get it you're from new orleans <laughs> Um, <laughs> the last I, man I'm gonna take lip from is you. I don't know. Like, if Daddy Cable was throwing shade at me, like he could say whatever he wants. Like, gamut, gamut. Re- acknowledge you are the bottom in the situation. Like, Cable's like has a couple feet on you. I I love I love the art in like these two pages. I love all the art, but I love the art in, like these two pages where it's like Cyclops looks very downcast. Gene is trying to put on an optimistic face. Uh, Warren is just looking like bulgy and hot. And, you know, it, like even like Charles, like steepling his figure, fingers, it's all like really dynamic and really well done. Yeah. And you know what, with Warren, the one thing I noted is that when he appears first in the issue, he has shorter hair, but in that big splash towards the end, he has like the longer, like 90s hair. And I like him. I can't decide which one I like better. Like I'm probably like him with the shorter hair, like the more Leo DiCaprio hair instead of that, like Brad Pitt hair. But I think he's probably more suited for like Brad Pitt hair just as a sidebar. Yeah. I think in this era, especially it's, it's also, I can't remember. I think in the the last, when he appears in the previous issue that we read, his he's wearing his blue costume as well mm. so like he had like time for a, a change because you know okay who doesn't but his the scene with him and hank were where beast is like what brings you to this neck of the woods my once feathered pal like fuck you beast like like my once feathered pal like you're such an asshole it's just like Hey, Hank, you're one of my oldest friends, but thanks for being a dick as the world's ending. Hey, Hank, remember when you used to look like a passing human and now you look like a fucking like beast, like literal beast here? Like it just he's such an app like beast. It gives all these like jabs. But regardless, Angel says life, women, happiness and the current lack of any of the above. 
Um, I don't know, Warren, the world is about to end right now. Like maybe like chill on life, women and happiness. Cause you're not going to have any of them in about like what one hour. Yeah. World's ending, you know, you're going through some shit. I get that. Judging by the art, also not wearing underwear. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I was going to say that about cable too. He's definitely not wearing underwear in that opening shot with Scott. Well, in, in the future, people don't, you know, it, it, it's post-apocalyptic. There's no time for underwear. Yeah, that's... That like, is... look at that. Cable's clearly not wearing underwear there. Cable Cable really enjoyed the time traveling. <laughs> um... <laughs> and then he said something, Warren said something, where, Hank, something Jubilee of all people once said to me about appreciating what you have while you got it. I have no memory of when Jubilee said this to him and there's no editorial asterisk. So I'm just assuming this happened off panel folks at home. If you know when this happened, we are happy to eat our words and post about it. But I, yeah, I don't know. I doubt Jubilee had these words of wisdom to like this billionaire 20 in this 20 something year old. I, but but one of the things I love about the X community is we will have people, somebody will find out when this happened and be like, oh, ha, it happened in like the X-Men Pizza Hut special of, you know, number five and you morons don't know anything. And it's just <laughs> like, I respect that. You're like, I respect that. Yeah. I Listen, I don't mind it when I'm being topped in the conversation. Like, go for it right there. You know it, send it my way. Yeah. We're happy to be wrong. I'm always happy to be wrong. Also, though, just like Warren in this era, I talked about this briefly in some other issues, but like Warren really gets a lot of character development in the back half of the 80s, early 90s. And like he goes from being probably the most bland of like the original five with really not a lot of personality beyond being really, really wealthy um, to actually having like a lot of depth and you know, just being like, oh yeah, Jubilee of all people. And it's like, oh yeah, okay, Warren, cool. You kind of got like a hard personality now. I, you know, it's funny when I read the Phalanx Covenant again as an adult, like a couple of years or not a couple of years ago, like maybe a couple of months ago uh, for book club, I really didn't like Jubilee in it. Like I thought Jubilee was like a brat. And I don't know if it's just because it's my age or maybe it was just poor writing, but she called like Emma Frost frosty in one issue. And I was just like, girl, like she's giving you a safe house in what San Francisco that looks better. Did she say something like this is better than the TGI Fridays? I always go to, I'm like, yeah, Jubilee, like fucking show some respect for your, your teacher professor here. So I don't know. Like I'm, I tend to sign with Warren on this. Like I'd be like, yeah, Jubilee of all people gave me this insightful little nugget, but at the same time, like appreciating what you got when you got is not like life-changing advice, you know, like you've heard that before somewhere in your life. Like Cheryl Crow said that once in one of her songs. Yeah. But it's got more impact when it's coming from like Jubilee of all people. <laughs> um, fair, fair. Like, yeah, like, if it, you know, if, like, if, if Charles says that to you, you just kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, this is like, you know, some words of wisdom from the professor, but when it's like the mall rat, um, it's a little more, but like, I, I agree with you, I reread, um, like, a bunch of the Outback era stuff recently, and Jubilee shows up in that, and it's like, I, I did not find her particularly likable, 
And yeah. I don't know if that's just a sign that I'm becoming like old, but it's just like, oh yeah, like you know, she, she tells she tells somebody to shut up, and it's like, I can't remember if it's Storm or something, and it's just like, really, like these these people have taken you in, and you're just like, oh yeah, like shut up, you're not my mom, and like, okay, thanks. I knew I was old when I was watching Clueless, which is like my favorite movie. And I identified more with the teachers than I did with the kids. (laughs) And similarly with like in this situation, like I'm like, if I read Generation X, I'm identifying more with Banshee and Emma. And even then I'm probably like older than them than they're supposed to be in this, in, in that series. But yeah, I just, I don't know. Jubilee during this era feels particularly bratty to me. I think for me, she gets better. And I hate to say this during um, when she gets, when she adopts her son, is it battle of the Adam era when her son comes back from like an alternate future? And she's like, Oh my God, you're so grown up. When Shogo is like, Hey mom, like I've been used to standing in the shadows with you. And she's like, Oh God, that's so sweet. Like that's where I finally felt like I could relate to Jubilee as a character. Yeah, No, I get that. But, but speaking of, like, hard runway, too, uh, <laughs> Hank, you actually see some rare, like, humility uh, here from Hank, where it's, like, after Warren is, like, you've been a good friend the best, actually, and I just wanted you to know. And, like, Hank is just, like, for once, I'm, like, uh, for once, I found myself without words other than thanks. And it's, like, no... No pretentious Hank McCoy bullshit. No, just like, thanks. And I love how Ian drew him here. And Ian actually said that Beast was one of his favorite X-Men. X-Men, excuse me. And poor Ian, like, suffered, like, this huge rant from me afterwards. But you can tell he loves the character because this shot right here, the thanks in particular is actually well drawn and like the colors that's another thing i want to note were the colors because ian okay do you remember ian churchill was on uncanny x-men poptopia when they relaunched morrison in the morrison era and he just mysteriously vanished after a few issues it's because that ian loves colorful superheroes on the page that's sort of what he resonates with He doesn't like that dismal black and white gritty, you know, it it just wasn't for him. It's not that he didn't appreciate it. It's just not for him. And in this issue in particular, and sort of some of the images I've been posting throughout the day, I've noticed that all of his work pops on the page because he loves those colors. And with Beast in particular in this panel, like I see it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the whole page from, from Beast to Warren, I mean, Warren's just like a riot of like, you get your red, the white, the blue, um, the horribly clashing yellow, the gloves, <laughs> and the boots. Oh my god, I have just noticed the gloves right now. Yeah, that might actually be a mis- miscoloring. I don't think he normally has that, but it's just, yeah, the, the colors are really vibrant. And like on the next page with Gambit and Rogue, even though it's a little, you know, they're sitting on dirt and brown everything, the colors are still super vibrant. Yeah, and that's a shout out to Mike Thomas, who's a colorist for this issue. And that scene with Gambit and Rogue obviously plays into, you know, X-Men 41, where she goes to kiss him as the Emkron crystal is about to crystallize everything. So I just, I appreciate all of that. 
And, you know, Gambit says here, Rogue, I learned a long time ago, there's no point in worrying about what you can't have. And you're led to believe that there's some kind of weirdness between them. But like, no, we'll, we will see them reaching for each other as the world is about to end. One thing I, I noted is it's actually, it's weird now to see a character smoking in oh, yeah. comics, particularly Marvel generally doesn't have a lot of characters nowadays smoking cigarettes and like throughout this entire issue, Remy is just like chain smoking. But he's smoking and it's like the way that Ian drew it, like he's like even like coming it's even the smoke is coming out of his nose like he's like inhaling and then exhaling it looks so good it's so sexy gambit in this panel these panels right here is so fucking hot like his legs spread open like that and he's just smoking like gambit is a fuck boy you know what i mean like and ian understood that that's exactly what this character is he's a fuck boy in the best way possible i mean like we're you and I are, are are just old enough to remember when they used to have like like the smoking sections in like restaurants, and like Gambit is the guy in like the Pizza Hut in like 1994, <laughs> sit, sitting sitting there with like two cigarettes bobbing up and down. That was so ridiculous, by the way, because you could still smell the smoke when you were in the restaurant sidebar. Like, oh, yeah. Like, like, like the smoke is not going to respect the fact that the smoking section ends here. <laughs> Although, um, like, as a kid, like, my parents were always, like, non-smoking section. As an adult right now, if they still had smoking sections, I'd be like, I want to smell. I want to sit in the smoking section. Yeah. Thank you. Like, that's where, like, the real party's at is the smoking section. But That's pretty fun. That's pretty fun gambit. <laughs> um, Here's, you know, one thing I don't remember, and I, I'm hoping you can explain it to me, which is... I don't remember a cable domino romance. I guess I kind of vaguely do, but like the scene here where cables like, you know, I've come to think of you as more of a friend. And by the way, I love how domino is like dodging that. She's like, Oh fuck. No, she's here. Like good old Nate in our darkest hour. You're always kidding. Right. And then cables like, yeah, that's me. Life of the party. And, and like, you know, domino gets her gun but we know like the cable and domino romance has been brewing for a while because in cable number 17 you know we have scott gene domino and cable there and and i guess this is a great way of just having this entire subplot come to fruition because that kiss between them because domino obviously comes back later and she's you're like listen you know nate what i'm trying to say is that i can't think of anybody i'd rather spend my last hour on earth with and <laughs> cable's like domino shut up and kiss me and like embraces her and kisses her like the best way possible it's it's surprisingly uh surprisingly sweet for like all things considered yeah well and like thinking even about like bay and like doug and the conversation we were having like that is such a more like passive line to be like just shut up and kiss me you know what i mean like i'm i'm here for it like there i don't know what happens with their romance later down the line but you know like i'm glad they have this moment together and i really can't think of another time that they're together but you know, I guess we'll 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 find out as we continue reading. And then we get Scott and Gene talking. You know, Scott's this like, is my favorite. You know, this is my favorite. Oh yeah, Scott's like, do you want to tell me what's going on? And like, 
Jean's like, it would almost be funny if it wasn't so pointless. And, you know, she's goes on about, she wanted to see her parents, her niece, her nephew, and maybe even Logan one last time. And like, when she's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have told you. And Scott's like, you are being honest. And I respect that. And in my own way, I miss a little runt myself foreshadowing thruppleness right there. I just, I, I I noted that. I also found it funny where she's just like, oh, I was like, I wanted to see my parents, and like my nieces and my nephews. Scott does not mention like Alex at all. It's just like. <laughs> poor Alex. Poor, yeah. poor, poor, poor himbo Alex. I know he's, he's just, he's back in, uh, well, he's with what X-Force, X-Factor. At this point, he's like, he's back in Georgetown and just like, now the sky turns to crystal. It's just like, oh, okay, well. But what I love about this Scott Jean, you know, scene eventually leads into Scott and Jean going up to cable. And as we already mentioned, being like, hey, you know, we were slim and red. And Cable's like, I knew. And Cyclops is like, what do you mean you knew? And he goes, of course I knew. I figured you had your reasons for not telling me. I was willing to wait until you were ready. And Gene just hugs him. And again, this is a scene that is just so beautiful. It gets played out again, as I mentioned, right before Messiah Complex, which is perfect foreshadowing when Cable has to take the baby, who at the time is believed to be Gene, and raise her in the future in the same way they raise him in the future. I just... I think it's such a beautiful scene. I think it's like important X history unfolding right here. And it's just really, really lovely. And then of course they, they bow out and, and, and let Domino and Cable have their moment. Yeah. And um, they also, they go speak to Charles, um, which is also really touching because, you know, I mean, for, for better or worse, Charles is as, as close as Scott has to a father who's, not a sleazy space pirate, uh, but, but like a, who was actually like around and, you know, Charles is like, I, 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 I saw you guys get like married and like, and I'm so happy I was able to see that, but also like the world is still like shit and now we're all going to die. And he's sort of having like an existential, like, sort of spiral and scott and gene both kind of like um help sort of bring him down from that and let him know like how much he meant to them well it just seems like at the time the writers and editors wanted us as a reader to focus on like the question of the dream because Xavier says, but I wonder for myself, this life we've all shared, did I come any closer to achieving the dream for a better world? I, you know, I, I, I acknowledge it. You know, I, I think it's in your face and it's something they want to like put out there, but I'm also at the same time, like, I don't, I don't know if this, the situation unfolding right now has anything to do with your dream because like we saw them when they renamed the Xavier Institute that he was pondering that same thing, obviously with Legion being like my, his dream never came to fruition. I just think Xavier in this moment wouldn't be thinking about the dream. I just think like, Oh fuck the world is ending. Like I think a more potent line would be like, here we are, the world's about to end and mutants and human doesn't matter. We're both going to face the oblivion together. I wish I would have done more. You know what I mean? Like, 
it just seems a little self-indulgent and egotistical, which I get it. I'm saying it right now is totally Xavier. It's Xavier. <laughs> it's um, Xavier. I, like the world I, is I, fucking ending. And he's here like, oh my God, but my dream of coexistence. Well, it, it's it's also like obviously they didn't intend this at the time, but now retrospect with like all the Krakoa stuff where he and Moira and Eric have been would have been doing like pre-Krakoa stuff in this era. Is he just like, oh shit, like Moira's just gonna like reset and we're gonna do this again? And then the issue just ends. That's it. He's just here like, I will miss you all terribly, my X-Men. And like fucking the Mkron crystal finally hits Earth and everything gets crystallized and that's it. Everyone is dead. Yeah, uh, there's that final sort of like spread of all the X-Men um, standing there, um, like posing heroically. Uh, I, don't I know do love Dom- that shot. Domino's got her gun, like she's going to shoot the crystals and... Warren's kind of doing a Wakanda forever in the background. Oh my god, you're right. Domino does have her gun. She's like ready to shoot something. Oh, he is doing... Oh my god, Angel is doing Wakanda forever. I didn't even notice that. And Rogue is like this too. It's like, what what are you going to fight? That's it. You're dead. Oh, I didn't even notice this until now. Behind them, there's like crystallized forms or like shadows of all like the X-Men or X-Characters. Yeah, a lot of the prominent. Um, I, I spent like a disproportionate amount of time trying to pick out um, who was who, but like you can see, like you can see Corsair, um, Warpath, Logan, Alex, Lorna, uh, Lorna, Emma. Shatter, Shatterstar, Emma, Banshee, um, Cannonball, Warpath. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't notice that until now. I don't know who's the chick on the left side with like the elf ears. Oh, Megan, that's Megan. That's Excalibur. That's Megan. Yeah, that's yeah. Megan with Nightcrawler. Oh, oh, that's nice. Okay, I'm yeah. here for it. Sabretooth. I don't know if you said the boom boom. There- yeah, Sabretooth, boom boom, Corsair. Um, Wolf Spain is on the far right. Um, uh, oh yeah, uh, with her arm around a uh, strong guy. Oh, that's really cute. Oh, that's cute. Super cute. I like that. Yeah, mm. and then they all die, and so. they're they're all dead. Which, by the way, like again, I was thinking about this like in preparation for this episode. I was like, you know, in the night, putting yourself in like the nineties like mindset, you're like, yeah, everything just fucking ended. That's it. Like Age of Apocalypse is a new status quo. Like they just reboot it. Like, can you imagine telling this to your friends and being like super excited? Because, like, well, I know we've picked apart Legion Quest, but they really went there in terms of showing, like, this is it. This is the end. And, like, these little plot threads, they really did tie up. And I think that's what they do really well. Like, Domino and Cable, the Gene and Scott in this scene. You know, I, I do feel that Marvel, like, the edit office went out of the word to be like, this is the end and we're closing up any loose ends right here. Rogue and Gambit kissing, for example, yeah. which is something that was super sacrilegious. Like, I'm glad that they, they did that. Yeah, it, it, it ties up a lot of loose ends. Um, and, you know, it, it, like if, if the books were to end, this is like, this is an ending of at least this, um, this version of the timeline. 
So my overall feels with like Legion quests, I love the momentum it built. I think there are some points that just were excessive and it like was sort of pointless, but I felt like it built good momentum. And it is, if you're not like overanalyzing it, if you just read the story and accept it for what it is, it is actually very fun. It's like a very fun story. Yeah. Um, it's a fun story. It does, you know, it doesn't stand on its own because it feels like its only purpose is to lead into like Age of Apocalypse. Um, so it's not something like I would read just on its own, like say like Executioner Song or some of the other big stories from this era, because like I feel like you almost have to then read Age of Apocalypse for like resolution. Um, but it's it's good. It 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 does what it needs to do. There's some, like you said, there's some bits that don't work. There's some weird stuff going on there. And, um, but overall, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a fun, fun story. So next week we have the ex-wife joining us to go over the chosen. Yes. And we're also going to couple that with uh, Leah Williams returning and yes. she goes over the chosen with us as well. Both sections of that episode are going to be long as fuck. We have like a Titanic size episode because I was like, oh, the ex-wife will go through it. You know, Alicia's very meticulous. We're very meticulous. Justin gets to see like the whole picture. And it's actually almost two hours. Like our interview with like the ex-wife or not an interview or a discussion with the ex-wife. Yeah, um, it's it's big. It's um, big. It's big. Just, just <laughs> like Cable and Warren not wearing any underwear. To- not wearing any underwear. Just, just lay back, relax, think of Krakoa, and uh, take it all in. Yeah, no, it's gonna be. <laughs> it's uh, it's gonna be fun. It's a special giant size episode where we kick off the age of apocalypse officially i'm really i gotta tell you i'm so glad we did the reading order that marvel suggested because i do appreciate the story beginning with x-men 38 and going through those x-factor stories and getting to this point like again regardless of how we could ever feel about or i could feel about it from a narrative perspective it was paced and they did build momentum properly and and something big happened in that the world ended and now we're getting the age of apocalypse they did deliver on a lot of hype they they delivered um there was a you, you can't say this for all like event books but like there was a clear plan story conclusion and went along executed and uh yeah it's good anything else you want to say bubble um no i think you know thank thank you everyone for coming along uh, along the, the legion quest ride and uh this was but an appetizer uh and now you get the main course which is age of apocalypse i have to tell you i'm so excited to dive into x-men apocalypse with you or excuse me age of apocalypse with you i I think I did know that you did not like Gambit and the externals, but that is like my most like anticipated book to read. And I cannot wait for you to be savage with it. Yeah. Mon cherry. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's get going. Um, Do you think we'll fight on screen? I would love that if we actually got into a disagreement. Let's do it. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. I like. I will. will have plenty of plenty of weeks to discuss it, but um, I like all of the Age of Apocalypse books. Gambit and the Eternals is probably my least favorite, but I don't like dislike it. Listeners, you'll have to wait and see. And we'll have X Men Alpha. Once we're done with The Chosen, or actually the way I'm looking at the schedule right now, we're doing The Chosen, and then we're going to do One Man's Worth, which we have the Lee Waltz yes. on for that. So we'll get in, if I'm doing it right, like what, three weeks? We'll yes. have we'll have X-Men Alpha 1, which officially kicks off the Age of Apocalypse. Be there. Be there, or be doomed. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll workshop that. We'll <laughs> workshop that. Scott, do you have anything coming down the pipeline? Any cosplays or anything? I will have something X-Men related probably at the end of March. So keep your eyes out. Eyes peeled. Eyes peeled. Yeah, that's that's English. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a language. Uh, keep your eyes peeled. And uh, yeah, be surprised. All right, you guys can hit me up on Power of X-Men on Instagram. And I am Mr. Scott Free on Instagram and Twitter. All right, and we'll see you guys next week with the ex-wife. Well, thanks, sugar. The Age of Apocalypse is now over, and we'll see you next time.